This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a practicing small animal veterinarian and cat lover. Today, I have with me Dr. Matt Brunke. Now, he's a veterinarian, which of course makes him awesome in my, or possum in my opinion, but he's a lot of extra things. So I'm going to have him tell you what he does and why he does it right after a quick word from our sponsors. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So I kind of tried to tease you a little bit about our guest today, Dr. Matt Brunke. Hey, Matt. Hey, Dr. Cat. I guess I should call you Dr. Brunke. I'm sorry. Um, but you're super special because you're a veterinarian, but you do some other things. And I want you to tell us what it is that you do and what makes it special for cats. You know, and thanks for having me with you and for everybody listening in. You know, I am a veterinarian that specializes in sports medicine and rehabilitation. Um, and you're like, wait a minute. Cats are athletes? Of course they are. Whether they have to bounce around your apartment or they're out doing crazy things and hopefully staying out of trouble. But my job is to look at any animal, cats especially, also dogs. I don't deal with much with horses or actually I just consulted for an elephant the other day. So I guess it is really all creatures great and small. But anything that doesn't walk right or has trouble walking or we don't know why it's not walking well or we're trying to keep them walking well is my job in a nutshell. It's my job to understand where pain can be hiding. It's my job to understand, do they need pain meds? Do they need to go to surgery? Do we need a special test? What are our pets trying to tell us? Because they're really good hiders, right? Physically and emotionally with their pain, cats can really distance themselves from us sometimes and they can be challenging because they don't speak directly to us. So my job is to figure out what's not right and how can we make it better? Well, that's awesome. And that's the reason I wanted to have you because I think our cats are communicating with us. They're just not using words. So it's hard sometimes for us to know when we need help. But I wanted my listeners to know that help is out there. If you think something is wrong with your cat, there are things that can be done and Dr. Brunke can do them. Absolutely. And the Fun part about what I do is I still do the fundamental things that I did when I graduated vet school almost 20 years ago. I still keep doing that. 
So I worked in primary care practice for 13, 14 years. And that's really where I honed my skills. So the cats I saw day in, day out that would come for vaccines or for other health problems, I always still did the same physical exam. And I teach all sorts of different things now, but what I always tell my students is it's nice to have access to an MRI or a CAT scan machine or things like that. But the most expensive piece of equipment and the most important piece of equipment in helping to figure this out is the veterinarian team. We've all put in massive hours of teaching ourselves and going to classes and reading books and trying to understand how best to help. And the way we convey that is by being good listeners, by feeling them and going through certain exams that we do. The same exam I do today on patients as a specialist is still the same fundamental physical exam I did 17 years ago. So that doesn't change. It's just knowing how to look. And then those pets start telling us where their problems are. So, you know, in veterinary medicine, we all kind of hear the headlines, but my listeners may not. So let's talk a little bit about maybe why we're not seeing cats or how we're not seeing cats potentially as often as we need to see them. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. You know, we always joke about folks, you know, it's like dog years are, are seven years for everyone and cats age o- older quickly too. And I think it's like humans need to be better right? We all need to go to the doctor on a regular basis and stay healthy because we know that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So if we go to folks that are specially trained, we may catch on things earlier. And especially for our cats that age quicker, right? That aren't unfortunately with us for 70 years. They may be only with us for 10 or 15 or maybe up to 20. Then we need to do a better job of seeing them on a regular basis and being good advocates. So I actually like to see When I did primary care, I like to see all my cats that were six years and younger. I want to see them at least once a year. And then everybody six years and older, I wanted to see every six months. Now my patients that I see as a rehab specialist, I see them all every three months so we can track everybody and keep tabs of stuff before it snowballs out of control. I love that. I love that. And that is exactly the kind of answer I wanted you to say, you know, specific guidelines for people that are looking at their cat right now, laying on their desk thinking, oh, she's fine, but she might not be fine and you need a veterinarian. So yes, I love that. Let's do a departure a little bit. You said you consulted on an elephant. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So when I went to vet school, I got trained on all species, uh, horses, dogs, cats, cows. And then I got went back and I focused more on small animals, on dogs and cats. But I also then went back and did my training as a specialist in rehab and pain management. But veterinary medicine is a small field and all animals can use our help. And when there's a limited number of us as specialists, then we all reach out. We phone a friend, we email, we we do these things where we don't have to know everything. And it's best when we don't. But the thing that's most important is to know who else you can call to help. And I've built some great relationships with classmates of mine that are zoo veterinarians. And I also practice in the Northern Virginia area. So I actually got to consult for the National Zoo strictly from a phone call. Somebody reached out and said, hey, this elephant's having trouble. It's not surgical, but, you know, can we talk to your pain specialist? I've never been able to work on an elephant before, but now I do. And that was very cool. And actually, they're going to reach out to me. They've apparently one of their big cats is having some mobility issues as well. So that's probably my next thing to look into, but it's all just through networking and communicating as a team. 
That is so cool. You know, I've worked on a few big cats as well. It's been a long time because now I just do dogs and cats, but really cool because all of our patients are nonverbal. And so we really have to call on our own observation skills, I think. And I bet you have really tuned in your observation skills. Would you agree with that? I would hope so. It's always a work in progress. I am, you know, we, we never stop learning. But when I try to look at these, especially the pandemic's changed a lot too, where it's harder, where we don't have necessarily family members inside the building with them. Um, but what I always ask for any of my patients is get a video on your phone of what they're not doing right. Take photos. Photos are great. Photos help too, because they may be offloading a leg or doing things, but get some video and get down low at their pet's height doing it, not from way up high, but get video and email that to us. Put that up in a share folder and I can take a look at that because sometimes they don't want to do it in the clinic. So the way I look at them is I want to see what they're doing right or wrong, whether we do that in the clinic or we go outside and watch them walk. That's harder with cats or especially with big cats. So I always ask, my pet parents to get me video because that helps me immensely. And then I can focus and I go through the same start at their nose and work to their tail and work through all their body systems and just feeling for what the changes could be. And if they're not symmetrical, then I know we have an issue. I've really honed in that listening really of that physical exam to know, to help me find out where the problem is. So you said early on in the show a little bit about part of your job is athletes, but I think that cats are athletes, even if they're not a officially an athlete, they are very athletic. Can you talk about some of the common things that my cat owners might see or that their cats might experience that would need rehabilitation? Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about it. cats are tremendous athletes. Like Dr. Prim, can you jump from your front lawn onto the roof of your house? No. <laughs> I would not even try it. Right. But a cat does that every day to get to the top of your couch or to the top of that cat tree. Okay. On a relative basis, that's the same type of height. So cats have to go up and they come down as well. So they're tremendous athletes in your house Okay, just navigating that based off of their size. So they need to be able to do that to enjoy life. The way we start to think about that is where can they damage themselves? Unlike dogs, sometimes dogs have issues, right? Hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, comes from some genetic conditions. Cats have pretty good genes, but if we let them inadvertently get too fat, right? Now they're putting too much stress on those joints. And if they're trying to tumble and do things in the house, they're just wearing out those joints ahead of time. So that's where they can hurt themselves a lot is just honestly being too heavy and not being able to do much. And then they're putting cartilage damage and getting painful. And so those are the ones I'll usually find that we rehab the most is the chubby kitties that have arthritis. Um, that's my big one. Some of the other things we see with cats, they will sometimes tear their ACLs. They unfortunately can get through trauma where they can break a bone or, or other things. We have to rehabilitate them for that. But the big ones, honestly, are, are being chubby and, and having arthritis. And that's something we can actually affect. So, I mean, that's good news, right? You don't want to be diagnosed with a terminal disease that you have no control over. So we can control our cat's weight. And I would say that's part of the role of your veterinarian. I know every single day I calculate calorie guides for people to know how much to feed their pets. And I assess body condition score. So that is yet another reason why Dr. Brunke and I would say, go and see your veterinarian with your cat. Don't just say my cat is fine. 
Absolutely. Like just get those simple steps done, know where they're at. And we're not trying to to have them all be paper, paper thin, but they have to be appropriately weighed. So we know that we want them around for both quality and quantity of life. There's been unfortunately research studies that have proven what we would suspect in that heavier pets don't live as long. So we want them around. We want them to be more comfortable. Um, And if we do that, then we're all winning. Absolutely. It's a win-win. What would you say, what percent maybe of cats suffer from arthritis and painful type lesions that we maybe don't even realize? Well, and that's the hard part where it can get tricky, right? There was a study in cats that showed that 60%, right? Six out of 10 cats that they did x-rays on had arthritis. And so cats are tremendously good at hiding their issues. So literally, if you have Five cats at home, which is pretty average if you're you know, a cat family. Three of your five cats probably have arthritis. So they may have issues just trying to get up to the back of the couch. They may have trouble grooming themselves. They may have trouble getting in and out of the litter box. And you're like, are they peeing outside the box because they're cranky at me? Or do they have a UTI? Or is it because their back hurts or their hips hurt? So those are some of the things we start to think about. But it can be probably better than... of cats in the U.S. because we know that over almost 70% of cats in the U.S. qualify as obese. So that's a lot of patients around that can have a significant number of straightforward issues that we can address. Yeah. And we know that everyone makes jokes about how their cat doesn't want to see an empty bowl. And I talk a lot about ways to make feeding a little more creative and a little more interactive. But yeah, cats would not necessarily limit themselves on food if we did not intervene, in my opinion. And mine too. And the thing was, and actually talking with my zoo colleagues, they're had the same issues 30, 40, 50 years ago. A lot of the cats, the big cats in sanctuaries and captivity were too heavy and they weren't doing stuff. And so we have to adjust their calories based off of their their activity and also off of their reproductive status. And that's a fancy way for saying that the day your cat gets spayed or neutered, their caloric requirements drop by 25 to 33%. So we have to watch that if they're not out there to make more kittens, then they don't need as many calories either. So don't love them to death by feeding no. them too much. I say that a lot at work. So there is something on the horizon that just came out that is a pain management. Um, I don't know, I guess just an option. So I don't want everyone out there listening to think, why would I even bother seeing my veterinarian about my cat potentially having pain if there's nothing that I can do about it. So there are some things and it's, it's pretty exciting. It's kind of scientific. And, and I know Dr. Brunke has some definite uh, thoughts on it, but we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about this new potentially game-changing medication for pain in cats. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. We've been talking a lot about cats and how cats are and how they can also suffer from pain. And we don't really, really realize it unless we take our cat to the veterinarian. And I invited Dr. Brunke today to talk to us a little bit about pain and pain management and rehabilitation. And um, I really want to pick his brain about this new pain medication that has just been approved for use in cats. So take it away, Dr. Brunke. Absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Prem. You know, this is fun because we don't have a lot of options for cats. And we know giving cats pills or any medication orally, I mean, there's all sorts of memes and everything on how horrible and challenging that can be. And we try to make light of it. But the honest answer is we don't always have a lot of things that are approved and tested safely in cats that we can use regularly. So when I look at that, when something new comes along, I like new things. I want to find out about them. And one of these new medications actually got tested in the United States, but got first uh, approval in Europe. And it was federally approved in Europe for cats. And now it's gotten FDA approval for cats here just in the last couple of weeks. And that medication is called Silencia. S-O-L-E-N-S-I-A is the trade name. And it's a very cool cutting edge medication in that it's a once a month under the skin injection. Okay, so no fighting around the mouth. Okay. And what it does is it's antibody therapy. So it's monoclonal antibodies. And what that means is it is utilizing those antibodies so that the body stops attacking itself. Now, most arthritis in cats is not from an autoimmune condition. But what happens is when your body does just have normal arthritis, the wearing and tearing on the cartilage, your body's nerve endings kind of go a little overboard. And so they start to grow new nerve endings around your arthritic joints. And so that's like putting more microphones around that three-year-old playing the drums, right? It just gets louder and louder and louder. You're turning up all the painful noise because these nerve endings are growing more and more all around those arthritic joints. And that sends more messages up to the brain that says I'm in pain. And so Silencia is a medication that turns down the body's ability, doesn't eliminate it, right? But turns down the body's ability to specifically make those nerve endings that are overgrowing around arthritic joints. And it sounds awesome because apparently it is. I haven't been lucky enough to try it on my patients yet and utilize it, but I've read the research studies and I've been lucky enough to talk to some of my rehab colleagues in the UK and in Europe. And it has been a complete game changer for their feline patients. So I'm really lucky that we're now going to have it here. And I look forward to helping our patients with it all throughout the U.S. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I think somewhere along the line, someone who developed this product loves cats because otherwise it wouldn't be once a month. <laughs> Because medicating cats is can be a challenge. It can be a challenge. So I love that it's once a month. I love that my clients don't have to train their cat to a mat to tolerate an oral medication. So this is pretty exciting. So it looks like, and you correct me, but it looks like it doesn't really have a lot of side effects and it seems to be fairly safe. Has that been your understanding? That's my understanding as well. It is a very targeted therapy. And, and as a rehab and pain management specialist, 
I like targets, right? We know it's hard to get pills into them, but also, and a lot of systemic medications are very safe, right? Ibuprofen is a safe medication for people, but sometimes it can give you a stomach ulcer. With cats, they have a little bit of a narrower window for that. So we can have things that can cause side effects. But from what we understand as far right now with this new monoclonal antibody is that the worst thing is, is that it may not work for your particular cat, but it's not one that's going to damage their kidneys or their brain or their heart or their liver. And so that is a huge help when we go for these targeted therapies. Yes, I'm very excited about it. I guess from what I read, any side effect that they noted was so mild that they did not have to stop treatment for the cats. So so that's pretty awesome. And I think it's very exciting, especially after hearing your statistics about how many cats are actually suffering. Is it only labeled for osteoarthritis pain or is, does it have a role in any other types of pain? You know, that's a great question. And I think from what I understand, they've only studied it in arthritic cats. So down the road, we may look at it for other conditions and we'd have to go get a, ideally a research study on that. Sometimes we wind up using anecdotal reports, but we're going to target it first and foremost for that large percentage of cats that are having problems with their osteoarthritis. That is so awesome. Hey, can I ask you a weird question? Go for do it. You, do you ever put a cat on a water treadmill? I do, and they love it, and I have video to prove it. I wanted to know. I'm like, I bet he does. I bet he does. But I bet my listeners would be surprised to know that a cat would love a water treadmill. And and there are so many other things that you can do. So I've listened to you speak before. I know that you have creative and amazing ways to challenge the joints and muscles of pets that are being rehabbed. But yeah, I just had the thought about the water treadmill with cats. You know, there's a couple of that actually really look forward to it. You know, we are very fear-free organized. We keep everything nice and low stress. It's not like going swimming where they just kind of fall in the deep end. We can control the water depth. We're in there with them. They can get treats during it. And we've had a number of cats from all sorts of different conditions utilize that because then it's the buoyancy. When they're water walking, their feet are still touching the ground, but they're going to feel like they only weigh a third of their body weight. So it takes a tremendous amount of stress off their arthritic joints, allows them to build muscle. Um, we've done it for everything from arthritic cats to we have um, two cats right now in the same household that have both had to have their hip joints replaced. So they have completely um, bionic hips now, and they're using the treadmill to build back that muscle strength now that they've had their hips replaced so they can run and have fun for all the years to come. I love that. I know I've had guests before that talk about surgery and how important rehabilitation is after surgery. So I'm excited that your particular specialty is, is a growing one because I think that there's definitely a role for rehabilitation really everywhere because I think people are starting to recognize that cats are not just this silent fixture in your house. They suffer from common diseases. They can have pain and you might not know it. They need dental care. They need to see their veterinarian. So I am just so excited that you were willing to come and talk to me today. Uh, it's fun to get the news out, right? I mean, when I first learned, we didn't even have any research on rehabilitation for cats. And now there's articles showing us how to do it right and what works and what doesn't. So it's always a growing field and it's fun to come share that knowledge with folks. 
Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm being a veterinarian is so fun and getting to help animals and having it grow and change and improve. So we have even more just tools and things to use to help animals makes me excited. And so I wanted to interview you today because I know it makes you excited too. So thank you so much for taking time out to speak with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me with you. And of course, I am so grateful for my loyal listeners. This show consistently wins awards and things, and it's, it's because you care about what I have to say about caring for cats. I always thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter, and I instruct all of my listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.